I'm April West. And I'm Katherine Sigblad. We're both first-time moms who are passionate about following our intuition and not afraid to do things differently. To say we question everything is an understatement. If you find yourself analyzing ingredient labels, searching for holistic alternatives to pharmaceuticals and routine practices, and you're curious about all things baby wearing, bed sharing, and postpartum, you will feel right at home here. In this podcast, we fearlessly confront the pregnancy, birth, and postpartum industries, share our mom hacks, and never stop challenging the status quo. We simplify the approach to motherhood and trust in nature. We are moms off the record. Welcome to Moms Off the Record podcast. We are joined by a very special guest today, Dr. Holly Durning, who was my acupuncturist, is my acupuncturist. I need to get my butt back in there. We were just talking about that. Mom life has been crazy, so I will be making an appointment very soon. And Dr. Holly Durning has a very special place in my heart. So when Eric and I moved to St. Pete from Austin, Texas, it's actually when I was still living in Austin, Texas, I was looking specifically for a fertility acupuncturist. I just felt like the whole process of trying to get pregnant with Julian was taking longer than it should have for reasons I've discussed in previous episodes. So if you're not familiar, you can go back and listen. But Dr. Holly, it's thanks to Dr. Holly, we'll just call her Dr. Holly, that without any you know, pharmaceuticals, without doing IVF or IUI, I was able to successfully get pregnant to Julian. In my personal opinion, that's, that's what happened. So we're really excited to hear from Dr. Holly everything you need to know about fertility and pregnancy and postpartum and even, you know, menstruation outcomes and benefits when it comes to acupuncture. And of course, as always, at the very end, stay tuned because we will have her answer questions that you submitted to us on Instagram. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Mm -hmm. Dr. Holly. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about fertility and acupuncture. And I just love getting the body back in balance so it can heal itself. Yes. So before we dive into, you know, fertility and pregnancy and all that with acupuncture, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your practice. All right. So, well, I can tell you a little bit about my background and how I got started in it. I'm more of a a medical anthropologist, so I always loved other cultures, how they viewed health and illness, and uh, did a study abroad program actually in Europe, and we looked at childbirth and how it varied uh, in London, Paris, and Amsterdam, and Mm. they have lower infant mortality rates than we do in the United States. And so, you know, a lot of it was home birth, and a lot of it was just natural and in Amsterdam, it was automatic home birth, strong what? Dutch women, just, you know, letting gravity kind of take hold. And, and if there were medical complications, their midwife could get them to the hospital and they had a doula. And so just to see that there's better ways to do things that make more sense. So mm-hmm. that kind of, and then I got involved with, well, through medical anthropology, looking more at like people's cultural concepts and how it affected compliance in, in the medical industry. So, mm-hmm. you know, looking at I guess there are ways to do things. Anyway, so I, I just love other cultures and looking at at how like their traditional herbal medicine could help heal versus the pharmaceutical. So that's always been a passion of mine. And then when I was mm-hmm. in New York, I was looking to go into a, a different field. So, you know, graduate studies actually. So I found Chinese medicine and I was able to intern at NYU hospital and a VA center and then also a clinic in Chinatown and and really saw how this medicine helped a lot of people. So I even had a woman who was post-stroke after the birth of her second child and she was on disability, couldn't take care of the kids, couldn't do anything. And through acupuncture, I'd follow up with her and she she told me she washed her hair for the very first time and, you know, thank me so much. So just to see how powerful this medicine was, you know, it was really great. Yes. So can we, can I just ask a question for the listeners who may be more like me? I've never had an acupuncture session. My mom has, of course, but not, not me. So for, for our listeners who are on my level, <laughs> when you talk about Chinese medicine and acupuncture, what's at the root of it and why is it so powerful? 
So it's bringing the body back in balance. So you're releasing a lot of the natural hormones to help calm the body, but also get the body back to where it can heal and its optimal health. So, mm. you know, we look at there's meridians of energy and when there's pain or organ dysfunction, there's blockages. So a lot of the time it's opening up the chi and blood, helping the organ systems operate better, but also stimulating mm. a healing response. So releasing those natural endorphins and, and really looking at, in, in Chinese medicine, we look at the body as a whole and, you know, we go through a whole diagnosis, looking at tongue and pulse, looking at the root cause of what's going on. So there's different, we call it patterns of disharmony. So, mm. uh, you know, someone comes in with a headache, we aren't treating the headache. We aren't treating what their diagnosis is. We're treating the person and what that's presenting at. Is it excess? Wow. Is it deficiency? You know, there's different things that can lead to headache. And that's what we're trying to go through and kind of investigate and figure out this pattern of disharmony causing the illness. Mm -hmm. So your first intake, we're going to look at tongue and pulse. We're going to go through all the systems. We're going to look at your digestion, your sleep, your energy, what kind of food are you eating? We're going to go through everything and we'll again, create that pattern of disharmony. Mm-hmm. So I have a question because it's so common, even though it's not normal, it's so common nowadays for women to have all these issues with their periods, whether it's PCOS, endometriosis, just having irregular cycles, or even any PMS symptoms, which we know is not normal, even no, though it's exactly. common. exactly. Right? Yeah. And I actually, you really helped me understand that too when I was coming in for certain symptoms like, hey, just because every woman seems to have this, it is not normal. So can you walk us through how exactly does acupuncture solve for these issues and get to the root cause? Yeah, exactly. So with the cycle in particular, like regulating the cycle is a big thing that we do in Chinese medicine and kind of separates us from Western medicine, which they just want to put you on a birth control pill. You know, all these signs and symptoms are something, it's signaling that something's going wrong. So heavy periods, that can be a spleen chi deficiency, you know, breast tenderness, PMS signs, menstrual cramping, that all indicates more liver chi stagnation. So looking at, are there blood clots? Okay, there's more blood stagnation in the body. And correcting these signs and symptoms can bring that body back in balance and, and have a healthy menstrual cycle. And the cycle should start as a river, go into a sea, and then as a stream at the end. So it should flow like that. And I'll have patients mm. that, oh, it kind of trickles in. And then maybe I have a day of, of heavy flow and then it trickles out and then maybe it, it flows again. And that's not right. So, wow. you know, or young girls with heavy menstrual cycles. And I tell their moms, that's not right. Let's fix that before we put them on a birth control pill. And then that leads their life down this path of medicine every day when it's really just bringing the body back in balance. I've hmm. never heard that. I've never heard that it should not be what it has been for me. I've always been a heavy, heavy period kind of gal. And it's no. always, there's like, usually I think I'm done. And then there's like a day of like, boom, surprise, gotcha. No, that's not right. Yeah. Ah, okay. And you had also mentioned these different cheese, the liver cheese and other. So the cheese is the energy center. The energy. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And there's organ patterns too. So we talk about, especially with menstrual cycles and hormones, kidney, liver, spleen, those are all big even dampness can, can cause a lot of the cysts and, and PCOS. And, you know, I had another woman with ovarian cyst and she was pretty much given the option of surgery. And she reached out and she said, they want to do surgery and remove the cyst. I said, no, you know, I'll put you on herbs. She came in for acupuncture regularly. Within three months, she went back to the radiologist. Cyst was gone. So, Whoa. you know, the radiologist actually said, give me her card. You know, I'm going to send people in. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, wow. yeah. that's mm -hmm. nice. That is nice yeah. because, you know, oftentimes like we think about how OBs, for example, look at midwives and how they often feel threatened by them. Yeah. Yes, sometimes they can work in tandem. They can be complementary, but it can be very threatening when a midwife, you know, is able to have all these skills, these traditional mm -hmm. skills that OBs just simply don't have anymore. So mm -hmm. in the same vein, Dr. Holly, do you ever find that more, quote, allopathic or Western doctors might feel threatened by someone like you who's an acupuncturist? You're kind of like a magician on people's bodies, mm -hmm. right? Because then they can't be prescribing these drugs, you know what I mean? Or yeah. doing these surgeries. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, I haven't come across that. 
And I mm. do have some of my patients with like a thyroid imbalance or they're going to an endocrinologist and they have actually said, I, you know, acupuncture and, and the patient has said, I go to an acupuncturist and they said, okay, that's great. I really support that. So wow. there's some, wow. and, and yeah, and there are some that say, okay, well, you know, go if you want, but I, you know, I don't know if it's going to do anything. And mm. so my patients are like, all right. I had another woman who was borderline chronic kidney disease and I put her on a glandular tissue to support her kidneys. She went back and had it rechecked and she was in normal range. And she said, Whoa. this is the only thing that I've changed to her doctor. And they said, well, I don't know that it's that. Maybe you just had more yeah. water when you got the blood work done. And she's yeah, like, mm, no. Yeah. No. That's There's cool. a little so, competition there. Yeah. But yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Because it's not what they learned in their schooling. Exactly. You know, it's hard I for mean, them they don't even accept. talk about nutrition. So no. Right. Oh, no. Forget, forget no. it. Don't even get us started. <laughs> so Wait, I have a question, yeah. though. So, so you, the acupuncture, right? So we're putting needles in the different chi areas, right? The meridians. Explain uh -huh. that a little bit. Explain so, that, how that works. Sure. So, you know, they, they talk about these meridians, the, the channels of energy that flow through the body. Mm -hmm. So there's different acupuncture points along those meridians. Now, Western medicine said, okay, maybe that is where the neuromuscular joints kind of connect the junctions. So mm -hmm. they're higher with like magnetic energy. So, you know, they've even said that the needles maybe act as conductors to this energy that travels along the fascia, the connective tissue. So it has a higher water permeability and that those electrical pulses are kind of travel along that because we all know energies in the body, it pumps our heart, it regenerates the, the liver and on our cells. So it's activating that energy to mm -hmm. restore proper function and, and stimulate a healing response. So it also can release a lot of those natural endorphins to calm the body. Right. Hormones too helps balance hormones. Amazing. You know, has an effect on on the nervous system. So you know, calming that anatomic nervous system, that fight or flight. So yeah. a lot of times with fertility patients, they just are really stressed out. So yeah. a lot of I'm thinking that, about it all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. their body is in fight or flight. So we can do things to help calm the body to help them conceive or even going through an IVF procedure, we want to do a pre and post transfer too, just to calm the body, help it, you know, implant and help everything, you know. So I want to talk more about fertility for a moment sure. here, because th this is a really important theme, especially for so many of our listeners who are trying to get pregnant. Maybe they're struggling. It's so frustrating. And oftentimes we hear about infertility. And I feel like this word is really thrown around loosely. But when I read the book by Tony Weschler, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, she talks about how most people who think they're infertile or who, or who have been told they're infertile are actually just subfertile. And there's so many things they can do to boost their fertility, meaning it is not impossible to get pregnant. It's just going to be harder. Right. And so there's a phenomenon that you and I have spoken about often, Dr. Holly, which is yeah. just when we think like, I've never been down this route, but we hear about it all the time. So just when women think, okay, I'm going to have to go through with IVF or IUI, or I'm going to have to go to a fertility clinic, you know, and give myself injections. Maybe they're signing the adoption papers. That's when they get pregnant. Exactly. Right? There's that yeah. phenomenon. And remember, you and I actually spoke about like, okay, let's give this acupuncture thing a shot. It was my first time really giving it a shot. I had only dabbled in it a little bit in New York and Austin, and I would just go here and there. But you and I, we had a plan, and I was seeing you. We started off twice a week, I want to say. Then we went down once a week, and it was twice a week for eight weeks in a row. And I saw an immediate improvement with my period, so both symptoms-wise yeah. but also the actual period, ovulation, everything. And then I got pregnant with Julian two months after we moved to Florida, thanks to you. And so, but I remember thinking to myself going into this program that we established together, like, okay, you know, this could take me a year, right? We just, we become, we think of the worst case scenario. Yes. What, do you think it's, I know it's one of those, what came first, the chicken or the egg, but do you think that there's some element in acupuncture that is mainly attributing to women not needing to go through more drastic measures? Or is it, what, what's going on there, you know? The placebo effect almost yeah. a little bit mentally? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, certainly that stress really plays a role in it and that worry. And we talk about, yeah, that worry kind of weakens the chi, the energy in the body. And then we all know stress can affect things and stagnate. So, you know, it's about kind of relieving that stagnation in the body and, and allowing things to kind of heal naturally. But also, 
with acupuncture and, and regulating the cycle, you know, I said, just give me three cycles. Cause that's what we, that's what we do in Chinese medicine too. Like, let's get three cycles and see if we can get things regulated and kind of take it from there, especially with, with IVF and, and, mm. and even going into something like that, it's good to, to give it at least three, three cycles to really mm. prepare the body. And do you, when you do this treatment, the acupuncture mm -hmm. I'm imagining is an element of that. Are there other things that you do to supplement that from the Chinese medicine perspective? Sure. I do a lot of herbal medicine in conjunction with it too. Um, it's treating that pattern when you're not on the table getting the acupuncture, the herbs help supplement with that. Um, mm -hmm. We also talk about different foods that might be beneficial too, especially with that pattern. So if yeah. there's more damp, then I might tell you, okay, stay away from dairy, sugar, processed foods, you know, things that can contribute to that dampness and mm -hmm. think in terms of like mucusy kind of stuff. So uh -huh. damp, like cysts, PCOS, there's an element of like phlegm accumulation. When there's uh -huh. things in the body, we look at, is it chi accumulation, blood or phlegm? And, you know, with endometriosis, that might be blood stagnation, you know, with, with PCOS, cysts, things like that, there might be phlegm. So just kind of targeting and, and foods that can contribute to it too, or, you know, with patients who have a lot of like stress and stagnation, getting out and moving. So talking about like exercising and, mm -hmm. and moving that stuck energy and mm -hmm. maybe even doing some Qigong exercises to build up that energy too of the kidneys. So kidneys govern hormones in Chinese medicine. So, you know, with fertility stuff, there could be an element of kidney deficiency. So we mm -hmm. work at that too. And mm. from an herbal perspective for, for women who are struggling with fertility, obviously they need to come and see a doctor for a full comprehensive overview, but are there mm -hmm. ones that you typically see are recommended for your fertility patients? Exactly. So, you know, a lot of the vitamins will be very helpful across the board, but mm -hmm. again, you know, this medicine is, is treating the individual. So mm -hmm. if someone comes in for infertility, it's not always the same pattern. Right, so, sure. you know, we do kind of customize it to what's going on with them. Awesome. Okay. So I have a question. What do you think these more traditional, maybe endocrinologists or Western trained doctors are missing in the big picture of subfertility or infertility where acupuncturists are like, I have the answer? Well, I mean, that's, it's, it's really regulating the cycle. You know, a lot of time it's that and it's, you know, the, the drugs and different things that people are on create heat in the body that kind of dries cervical mucus or maybe, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it affects sperm too. So a lot of like even blood pressure or sleeping pills or allergy pills, it can really affect right. fertility too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because you know what? I remember my sister-in-law when I was talking about get, becoming pregnant or trying. I think there was a trend on TikTok that she sent and it was something like if you're taking Mucinex, mm -hmm. a lot of women are trying to take Mucinex and then they're getting pregnant or something like that. And I was like, what? But now no, that you it just actually said that dries out loud, mucus. yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, okay, those are things that are drying out your allergies. So that would be counter. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I this is why on that level. Yeah. This is why we don't want to get our advice from TikTok docs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. Yeah. yeah. Go see Dr. And Holly I, instead. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And even like Clomid, you know, they'll put patients on Clomid too. And that, then that is an anti-estrogen and actually reduces cervical mucus too. So it, oh, it's interesting. Or I've had, yeah. So I've had people who are on multiple rounds and I say, okay, well, let's, let's work on clearing some of this heat that's presenting and, and that dryness in the body too. So sometimes nourishing. So there's different herbs to nourish the body and, and different acupuncture points to help with that too. Yes, that's such a good yeah. point because when I was doing Birthright Israel a couple summers ago, one of the women on the trip was explaining that she was on Clomid and did some IUIs and unfortunately she lost the baby. And after I was reading Taking Charge of Your Fertility, it said exactly what you said, Dr. Holly, which is that Clomid it actually well, it has a negative impact on cervical fluid. So yes. it becomes this huge vicious cycle, Catch-22, where women are paying thousands of dollars to these mm -hmm. fertility specialists. They're being put on these pharmaceuticals that are making it that much harder. And we have to ask ourselves, is that by design yeah. or is that coincidence? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. How did we get here? Too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Big pharma. Big pharma. We're not a fan. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's like, well, 
I can't think of any risks with acupuncture. And I am not one to confidently say that. I truly believe that there's risks with everything, including taking Tylenol. But I don't see, like you have nothing to lose by trying acupuncture. You know what I mean? So to me, not it's at like all. If, and right. Um, yeah. And even some of the fertility clinics are now saying, yeah, go get acupuncture or they're bringing it into the fertility clinics too, because it enhances their success rate. So wow. that was going to be one too. of my questions was along the lines of that risk discussion. Are, are there any contraindications for acupuncture that you can think of? The only thing is during pregnancy, there are certain points that you need to avoid that are going to be too moving. So actually at the end, when we're trying to induce labor, I have had patients who say, Uh I don't want to go in and be induced. I want to have this baby naturally. And they're past their due date. So there are certain points that are very moving we can do. And I've done that multiple times and, you know, they might go into labor the next day. So So that was actually a a listener question. Maybe it makes sense to just weave that in here because that was literally a question from one of the followers on Instagram, which was how does acupuncture work for inducing labor? So yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's interesting. Okay, exactly. I was working with a a birthing center and they sent me like four people in a row and I think all four of them the next day went into labor. So So, for a little while. Yeah. I'm guessing they were all at 41 and six, right? Gestation 41 weeks (laughs) and six days, because in most states, the law is when you hit 42 (laughs) weeks at midnight, you turn into a pumpkin and we're going to drop you. So, (laughs) so here's what I heard about that. And Dr. Holly, correct me if I'm wrong here, April, let me know if you've heard this too. Acupuncture for labor induction only really quote works if your baby's already pretty much ready to be born. For example, if you're doing labor induction at 37 weeks, maybe your baby isn't ready till 41 weeks. It's not going to work. But if your baby's like, if you just need that final push to go over the edge, you know, then I think the baby's going to come when the baby's going to come. Right, right. Exactly. It's not going to stay in there forever. (laughs) (laughs) That would be horrible. Well, you you can also (laughs) turn a breech baby with Moxa. Let's talk about that. And also, can you... First, explain what is moxa. I love moxa. It always just, I don't know, it calms me. I like the smell of it. So tell us what moxa is and then how do you turn a breech baby and what's the success rate looking like for that? Sure. So moxa is a, it's short for moxibustion, which is a heated herbal therapy and it's used as a therapy all on its own sometimes. But I use it in conjunction with acupuncture a lot with my regular treatments too, because it really helps move chi and blood. So it, it stimulates kind of that movement, but also it's very warming too. So it, it tonifies, it strengthens the body. You can, there's points on the toe that the moxa will travel up to the uterus and the baby will turn at like, you know, 35 weeks. So then enough room for the baby to have space to turn and you can turn a breech baby with moxa. They're also doing studies. There's an organization called Mox Africa and they're doing studies in Africa, just using moxa on a particular point to help with antibiotic resistant tuberculosis patients. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I'm down with that. Cool. So it really boosts the immune system and it has a calming effect too. So yeah. Yeah. I can attest to that. Helps with anxiety. Yeah. All right. I want to go back though, because it seemed counterintuitive to me to get acupuncture while you're pregnant. Because that just seems no, like it's ah. great. So tell it's us about great. the benefits to, for for moms to sure. So well, it, it can certainly just help strengthen the body and help with a, a natural, healthy pregnancy. There's points to help kind of nourish the baby too. There's a beautiful baby point, and so oftentimes we'll do that too, moving into the different trimesters. And there's a technique called the golden needle. So you can use a golden needle to usher in each trimester, and yeah. using the beautiful baby point. But I also you can help manage a lot of the side effects or symptoms that might pop up during pregnancy, like morning sickness or back pain or fatigue, brain fog, you know, just helping to boost the body and support the body. I would see you in my first trimester a lot for the nausea. And it was, it felt almost like an impossible feat for me to just even leave the bed or bathroom to come to, even though you're just a few minutes away. But I was so glad when I would arrive at your office and you would make me feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. And even like the seasickness bands will press mm-hmm. on that point. It's a, a point on the wrist to mm-hmm. help calm the stomach and calm the mind and help with nausea. And I even use like magnets. So we can put magnets on that point too and leave the patient with that throughout the week to help balance the morning sickness. 
Wow. And so you were relieved of your morning sickness cat from going? Yes. Now I still, I I needed, you know, it's not like a a permanent fix, right? Just like with anything, seeing the chiropractor, but was I relieved for the rest of the day? Yes. Mm, Amazing. Amazing. And so we can, how often are you getting acupuncture or, or suggesting that for your pregnant moms? Well, first trimester, you, you definitely want to come a little more frequently, at least maybe once a week. Yeah. And then, you know, second, third trimester, maybe, you know, just every other week. I have some that maybe just check in once a month if things are going well, just to just support the body. And then leading up to, to labor, you might want to come in a little more frequently, get things moving, mm-hmm. prepare the body. Um, yeah. So yeah. That, that has me thinking because out of the three or so acupuncturists I've seen, including you, you are absolutely by far my favorite. I think you already know oh, that. Thanks. I think that's clear to the <laughs> listeners too. And I will say one, one of the acupuncturists I met with when I lived out of state in Texas worked in a, an actual hospital. It was a really good hospital though, but that one was in network with my insurance at the time. And long story short, it it's weird. It was like, okay, this is, you know, Eastern medicine, but it felt very Western medicine mentality. And if I felt kind of like churn and burn patient, like not a lot of one-on-one time and not a lot of connection, like I feel with you. So how, what are some good questions that our listeners can ask prospective acupuncturists they're looking to work with to ensure that they are on the same page and like, this is a good fit for them, like similar values. Well, that is a good question. And sometimes it will maybe take going in and having a consult and and seeing if they are on the same page and, you know, addressing your health concerns and seeing if, if they can meet that because it is a partnership. So, you know, you are spending time with your practitioner and you want to make sure that you're in good hands and they're credential. Like they just specialize in what you're looking for as well, too. Yeah. So, Yeah. For, for when we had our chiropractic episode, for example, for pregnant moms, the Webster technique or certification was really important. Are there specific certifications for acupuncture and fertility slash pregnancy or is it all encompassing? Well, you know, there are certain certifications and, and people will do continuing education. So there's actually the ABORM, which is the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. So some will even go and do that, which is an advanced certification and sit for actual boards to be licensed, wow. you know, to do that too. And then, yeah, there's just different, you know, specialties. Like I said, a lot of us do continuing education all the time. So I'm constantly doing a seminar, learning different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. What are some other success stories that come to mind for you when you're thinking about your patients who may have been suffering from infertility or subfertility and they were so convinced like, okay, I'm going to need IUI or IVF or I'm going to have to adopt or whatever. Like talk to us about, you know, how maybe, I don't know, how long it took with acupuncture to get them back on track and maybe help them get pregnant. Sure. You know, like I said, let's, it depends on their age and, and if we can get the body back in balance and regulate the menstrual cycle, let's try that first. And then I do have some patients that, you know, time is not on their, you know, favor. So they will want to be more rushed to go into the procedures and, you know, it's just about supporting them where they are too. So I have some that that really want to start with an IUI and maybe we do that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are some things that you wish people knew about acupuncture? Like maybe some misconceptions. misconceptions. They have, yeah, misconceptions they have <laughs> yeah. about acupuncture, sure. acupuncturists. And you just want to set the record straight. Talk to us about those well, things. Well, the main thing, and this comes up a lot, like even in social situations, where does does it hurt? You know, you're sticking me with <laughs> needles. Is it going to hurt? And I think that's a big misconception. And a lot of the time, you know, I'll have patients come in and I'll, I'll start with just one needle and they say, that was it. You know, and I'm like, yeah, they're like, I should have tried this years ago. I can't believe it. I I was fearful of this. So it's really, they're really fine. They're hair like they say about 10, 10 to 15 acupuncture needles can fit inside one hypodermic needle. So that gives you an idea of how thin they are. Yeah. Very hair like. And how long is a session generally? Like, so your first treatment is going to be a little longer. So I allow 90 minutes to do a full intake. And like I said, go through all the systems in the body, get a clear picture of that pattern of disharmony, and then allow time for treatment on the table. So, you know, you'll want to be relaxing for the need with the needles for about 
25, 30 minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then follow-ups are an hour. So just allowing time to check in with them and, and see how they're doing, you know, assess those signs and symptoms, what's going on, look at tongue and pulse, and then they relax with the needles. And it's, mm. it's, it's really relaxing. Most people, you know, even say it's more relaxing than a massage. I was and just yes, hard I'm envisioning yeah. a spa-like experience with like maybe some soft music. I don't know if that's really exactly. What it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like, make it very zen-like. So. Mm-hmm. I would usually fall asleep during our session. So I think that speaks to how, you know, small those needles are. And you're really not even noticing (laughs) zonked out, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, Well, and it releases a lot of those natural endorphins to calm the body too. mm -hmm. Yes. So So oftentimes when we think of things like having, you know, difficulty conceiving, our society tends to go for, you know, the woman and placing blame on the woman. But we know that men can hold an equal responsibility, right? With sperm motility, morphology, all Mm -hmm. that. And Can you talk to us about maybe some male clients you've seen where they have infertility or subfertility? What exactly did you do to get them, you know, able to impregnate their wives or their partners? Yeah. So there are a lot (laughs) of different things that we can do to help increase sperm count, sperm motility. A lot of that is looking at those turns of disharmony. Maybe there's some kidney yin deficiency or there's more heat. So nourishing the body, you know, we talk about abstaining from beer and like hot shower, Mm. different things, tight pants, things like that too, because it adds more heat. So that affects the sperm. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of different patterns. Maybe there's some medications that they're on too, that, that affects the sperm too. So Mm. like what, what medications? Cause I I know of a couple, but, but what do you think? Well, I'm trying to think, cause I have, I have a whole list here too, but like, like medicine for peptic ulcers, sleeping pills, affect libido and mm-hmm. let's see, steroids, oh. low, a high dose steroid can affect the pituitary gland and interfere with testosterone, FSH yep. and LH, migraine meds. That's more for women, but restricts flow to the uterus. Let's see, ul- ulcerative colitis meds, wow. can affect fertility. Painkillers can delay ovulation, decrease libido, affect erectile dysfunction. You know, I think this is interesting because as you're reading this list, I'm thinking of, you know, in our society, we like to go for the quick fix, right? And we have to remember that all these medications, even though it might give you that instant satisfaction for whatever ailments you're having, they have some pretty serious short and long-term side effects. And so Mm -hmm. we got to start opening our our bathroom medicine cabinets and, and do an inventory check and ask ourselves, are we really ready to have this baby right now? Like, Mm -hmm. have we taken all the steps to decline? clutter and to exactly. detox. And we do talk yeah. about the, the jing, the essence that's passed on from the parents when the baby's being conceived too. So, you know, how the quality of, of the, the egg and the sperm are at time of conception and mm. that is passed yes. on. Yeah. There's a really great book for that. I, I share this with all my friends who are trying to get pregnant. It's called, it starts with the egg by Rebecca Fett. And it was one that I read. I didn't know I was pregnant. (laughs) So I was reading it thinking I was going to get pregnant and trying to eliminate toxins. And it was even, there's a section on it for men as well, but there are simple things even in your lifestyle that you have really very little thought about how it affects your fertility. Things like phthalates and BPA in your kitchen. Like we got rid of all of our Tupperware and turned everything to glass. And we had our cutting boards that were plastic that we got wooden. Like there's just even small, small things that we made shifts in our lifestyle. So it's not just about the medicine cabinet, but it's your whole home. Yeah. It's the toxins in your mattress, like things like this we don't think about all the time. Kat, you had mentioned, though, the inventory in your medicine cabinet, and it just got me thinking, too, of how infrequently, I would assume, we think about how these medications interplay. So Mm -hmm. if we are taking a blood pressure medication and we occasionally take some sleep medication, like, are we really aware of how those things are affecting the endocrine system and and all the systems of the body, really, do we even give it that much thought? Are we just taking these as if we're taking one thing, you know? So I wanted to hit that point too. Very good point. That is true. And people don't think about it and they think, oh, I'm just taking this Pepsid because my stomach hurts and I'm taking, yeah, this allergy. Yeah. But, and, and how the kidneys and liver 
process it too. And you think like Tylenol, you think it's safe. It's so toxic on the liver. Yeah. And you, you know, speaking of Tylenol and April and I love to talk about how much we hate Tylenol. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of hearing the rhetoric about Tylenol is perfectly safe and fine. Like while you're pregnant for your kids, oh. it's like, no, it's not. Who no, says? I had a patient that was a cardiologist. He's like, it's one of the worst things out there. Exactly. Oh, no. I'm so glad this cardiologist recognized that. I know some parents give Tylenol out like it's candy, which uh, even giving candy out like it's candy is bad enough. But Tylenol like it's candy oh, is worse. I'm one of those children of the Advil. I was given Advil all the time. I, I was given know. Motrin I mean, before I was a like country mom. Anytime, <laughs> anytime I had even a slight headache, it's like, here, take some Advil. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure Dr. Holly, well today. What, were you, <laughs> what, what were you given as a kid, Dr. Holly? Were you a Motrin girl or a Tylenol? I don't know. I have to like drill my parents now. Uh, <laughs> I okay. love that. I, I do. I just think that the uh, kind of the genesis of your practice, though, starting in medical anthropology and and looking into different cultures. Yeah. And you had started off the call by looking at Amsterdam and London and Paris, and, and you made a comment about compliance in different cultures. I really want to come back to that if we have time just to yeah. figure out like Let's what, do it you, now. what, yeah, like what, <laughs> what came out from that? Well, that was more, that was more, I was volunteering at a, a migrant farm worker health center. In, okay. in Dade City in Tampa when I went to USF. Uh -huh. And it was more about their cultural concepts and how it affect Western medicine's compliance. So okay. like why, yeah. So that was more from an anthropological perspective. So mm -hmm. a little different. So I kind of, I branched away from that as, you know, it, it was kind of part of my learning. So it was a little separate than like, you know, actually studying like when I went to Europe and, and we yeah. looked at, at how it, uh, they viewed health and wellness. And but generally that. speaking, you're seeing better outcomes in cultures that have less frequent interventions. Is that fair to say? Exactly. Well, I mean, you're bringing them into the hospital and, and you increase risk of infection and all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff too. If you can do a home birth, you limit a lot of that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you toe the line or just what's your, just as an acupuncturist, I'm thinking, because there's there's people, I'm included, like, oh, the advancement of medicine. Like, we can't just sit here and say, like, oh, that's all poo-poo. No, and I definitely... start to strip away the industrial complex of medicine, it's like, oh, my God, we were doing so great before we brought all this in there. So exactly. how do you how do you navigate that as a practitioner? Yeah, and I, I'm more of an integrative practitioner, so I do believe that there are is a place for, for certain interventions and surgical right. things. But if we can treat it naturally, let's try that first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any like patients who come to you and they say, well, you know, I don't believe in this whole acupuncture thing, but my friend told me I have to give it a shot. So here I am. Do you have any like naysayers I, who like want I to do? Turn? I do. Or, or husbands that wives made them come in. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. And I, and I tell you, I had a guy that he, well, he had sciatic pain and he had a moving company and he's driving and, and lifting furniture. I got him out of the sciatic pain, but he followed me for four years because, you know, he reluctantly came in, but he was like, oh my God, I feel great. And, you know, anytime it starts coming back, I get in and see her once a month and it never came wow. back. And that yeah. is incredible. Yeah. I have one that's a little off topic. This is just out of personal curiosity. So not, not to do with moms and fertility, but maybe how about emotional and mental health? Oh, for sure. Acupuncture is very helpful with that whole mind body connection. And, yeah. and even, you know, I volunteered with acupuncturists without borders and they go into trauma situations and there are certain points even using in the ear that really quickly calm the body because there's three major mm. nerves that run up through the ear. And I was actually practicing over on the other coast in Boca at the time of the Parkland shooting. And we would just go out to the community and do a set of five points in the ear and quickly calm. So oh. it, it like people just felt grounded and settled. And even working at the VA hospital in New York, a lot of veterans, and they were in there for coming to our outpatient treatment center, we were in the neurology section of, of the VA mm -hmm. uh, and we were treating their pain, but realized we were also helping their depression and anxiety and helping them sleep and PTSD. yeah, PTSD for sure. 
Wow. Yeah, so there's such a big emotional component to it. And even treating people post-COVID and the whole social anxiety and a lot of kids. Right. So I'm treating a lot of like college kids who came home that, you know, are really oh. suffering now too. Mm. Now, yeah. I think I remember you talking about the the ear points. And for, yes. for people who don't have access to an acupuncturist at this time, for whatever reason, or they don't have needles, right? Can you explain to us where those pressure points are in the ear? Because can't you use your forefinger and thumb and squeeze those areas? Exactly. So the, yeah, there's a point up in the, it's called the triangular fossa. It's, a, it's called neurogate or shenmen. So it's a spirit gate. Shen. So that one's a great one to calm. There's some heart points on the inside of the ear too. You can basically treat the whole body through the ear. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. And I recently did. Incredible system. Go ahead. It's crazy. So I recently did what's called battlefield seminar, battlefield acupuncture, and they use semi-permanent needles that last about five days and you put them in the ear to help manage pain. So you can bring people from like a a eight or 10 level pain down pretty quickly using some of these points. And they use this protocol on the battlefield and it's done by the military. It's not even acupuncturists doing it a lot of the time. Whoa. Yeah. Insane. That's a lot better than popping a Tylenol, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To Um, us at least. (laughs) All right. Let's move. Yeah. And now with the whole opioid addiction issue, you know, a lot of doctors are now saying Mm -hmm. maybe you should try acupuncture, you know, for pain to help you. Really? You know? Yeah. Finally and shockingly, they're they're coming around. It's actually, you know, I I was surprised to hear your response to like, oh, how do Western practitioners react to acupuncture? We, we, you know, yeah, very surprising in a good way. It is. And I'm getting more referrals from neurologists and other doctors. And and I've been treating the doctors and their family for a while, but now they're referring patients too. And I was in a, a discussion recently with some other people other practitioners and in our field. And, and they were talking about, you know, if you do have a doctor that poo-poo's acupuncture, then maybe you should look for another doctor because they're not up on current research. And, you know, you want someone who is up on the current research and there's studies that validate acupuncture. And, you know, maybe you should question that from your doctor. Bingo. So that's a theme. Yeah. Yeah. The pendulum swinging from like over over medicalization back to natural like we we talk about that quite often on here yeah. yeah and what a great litmus test right for all you listeners out there if you have a doctor and you're just like hmm something doesn't quite feel right ask them what they think about acupuncture and referring out to acupuncture <laughs> and they're like oh yeah no way i don't believe in that okay next bye thank you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, like now, april you wanted to move into something yeah, I, our listener questions because we yes. have just a couple. We only posted the story today, so we didn't give it a whole lot of life before recording. But first question is not a question, but would love to hear more about using acupuncture to induce labor. I think we talked about that is making sure that you know your baby's ready. We don't yes. want to do anything prematurely. Do you have any other context you want to add to that before we move on? I don't think so. I think we kind okay. of cover that. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, it works. <laughs> That's what we heard <laughs> within 24 hours, apparently. Okay. Second question. What are some of the supplements she, Dr. Holly, pairs with fertility acupuncture, if any? Well, certainly looking at those patterns of disharmony. And mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of the time there's... And actually, uh, there's a great book that describes acupuncture. And uh, this woman, Jill Blakeway, I don't know if you can see that. It's called Making Babies. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But it's written by Sammy David, an MD, and Jill Blakeway, a licensed acupuncturist. And she runs Yen Ovo in New York City. And uh, so it's a great resource for, and I I will give this to, or tell my patients to, to read this. It kind of I think I told you, Kat, to look at this, but it 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 goes through some of the patterns of and how we treat. So there's like a stuck pattern. So patients who are more that liver cheese stagnation where things aren't flowing and they're just kind of stressed and and Mm -hmm. more kind of tight. So looking at those different patterns and there's different herbs and protocols that we would do for that. But But what you're saying is not every infertility issue is going to have the same protocol. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe there's more lack of energy and kind of a, a tiredness. Maybe there's more dampness. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Third question, does coffee or caffeine in the morning on an empty stomach interfere with fertility? Well, caffeine is a stimulant. So in the long run, it's kind of like tapping into your bank account. You know, you're tapping in that stored energy. So you're kind of artificially stimulating the body. So it is taxing. So especially if you're trying to get pregnant, you want to boost that kidney essence, that kidney chi. So you don't want to use that. You don't want to use artificial means. Yeah. So yeah. if you're trying to get pregnant, Stimulants maybe lay are. off the... Yeah, assignment. and especially, well, if you're a dry pattern, if you've got more heat in the body too, the beans are roasted and you're putting that heat in the body too. Mm. So just depending okay. on your pattern as well. Yeah. So Kelsey, this is my girlfriend, Kelsey, who posted the question. Go see your local acupuncturist. <laughs> okay. oh. Last question. Benefit and I hate to take away people's coffee because, you know, I know it's good. I know, man, that was the hardest part of my, my first trimester of pregnancy. I, I had none. I was like, you know, you read about caffeine, you're like, absolutely not. And it was like, whoa, that was a big adjustment. I did um, have some, admittedly. <laughs> I, I started to have it in the third trimester, but I was okay. like, absolutely not in the beginning because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> Benefits of acupuncture postpartum, love to learn more. Oh, that's great postpartum. So, you know, labor, you're losing a lot of blood and energy it can be very taxing on the body. So you want to build yourself back up again. So boosting chi and blood, there's actually different uh, herbal companies that are and like bone broth soup and kind of, you know, thinking about building up that chi and blood, eating mm -hmm. blood nourishing foods so that can be a good beef or bone broth or beets nourish the blood, leafy greens help build the blood. So there's different things you really want to do to, to build you back up to and make sure you have enough milk supply for the baby. And mm -hmm. yeah. Are there any food or dietary recommendations for postpartum in addition to, to those that you had just mentioned? My, my brain goes to the liver um, yeah. of animals. Is there anything else that you would recommend? Oh, liver, liver blood. Yeah. 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 Lots stuff, of B right? vitamins too. Yeah. Okay. Now, if someone were to see you for an acupuncture session in postpartum, you know, what are some of the most common things that you would do during that session? I would just work on building them back up. Yeah. Building that chi and blood. If there are C-sections, we can work on helping that men too. Mm -hmm. You know, and scars. I do a lot with scars in my practice. I need yeah, to come in for that. The more blood yeah. than scars is going to help it heal. And yeah. And also, you know, you're cutting into meridians and, you know, the energetic pathways. So whoa, if you have whoa, scars, whoa, whoa. Yeah, scars that are kind of in the belly, you know, cutting that meridian, you want to address that and create more blood flow in the area. So that begs the question, are they permanently? Is there going to be a permanent kind of disharmony there? There if can be if there's adhesions well. and a lot of scar tissue or keloided. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. Real life example, someone like me, right? I'm already thinking about planning for a VBAC or honestly an HBAC, which stands for home birth after cesarean. VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean. We talked a lot about healthy pregnancy spacing. We know at an absolute bare minimum for your body to replenish its nutrient stores, right? And even for scar tissue to heal, you're looking mm -hmm. at a minimum of 12 months, ideally minimum of 18 months postpartum. I know maybe you would even say minimum of two years, right? The more the better. But so what do you think about for moms who want like a vaginal birth after cesarean? How can acupuncture prepare their bodies for that? Well, we certainly do a lot to kind of bring blood flow to the uterus and, and help mm -hmm. prepare the body that way and, and strengthen. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's important. And there are studies yeah. that show it, it does help with the uterine lining and strengthening the uterus and, yeah. you know, preparing for a healthy birth. So the ticket to uh, acupuncture is blood and energy flow. Exactly. Right? Yeah, pretty I much. Okay. I know <laughs> I'm like much. distilling all this down into like two words, but <laughs> well, yeah. when, when there's stagnation and things aren't flowing properly, you're going to have blockages that delay healing and things yeah. aren't going to function. Right. So you can have pain, you can have organ dysfunction, you can have emotional blockages too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's literal stagnation. Yeah, yeah. Literal stag yeah. 
there's literal, but there's also emotional stagnations. There's all, all sorts of energetic stagnation, right? Yes. So it's not just stagnation yeah. of like blood, for example. Yeah. No. So, and, and in Eastern medicine too, we look at the emotions and, and, and the organ systems are tied to emotions. So if the liver is more anger or irritability and when it's stuck and stagnant, the body gets frustrated and it, it, anger comes out. So lung is more grief and sadness. Kidney is more fear. Spleen is more worry or pensiveness. So people replay things over and over again. There might be a spleen weakness. So we look at the organs and how they relate to emotions. Wow. This is sounding a lot like chakras. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the energy centers are tied to different organs. Yeah. Oh, so and there's cool. even traumas and how that gets trapped in the energetic pathways too. And even childhood traumas. And we kind of carry that throughout our life too. Oh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Yes. All right. We're coming up on time, Dr. Holly. Where can our listeners, if they're in the St. Pete, Tampa area, find you? Give us your Sure. Yeah. I'm at the Edward White Medical Complex, which is located on 9th Avenue North and around 22nd Street. So just kind of north of downtown, 9th Avenue. And what's your website? Sure. It's drhollydurning, D-U-R-N-I-N-G.com. And do you have any social sites that you want to point to? Well, I do have Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) I don't know what they are now. I think it's just Dr. Holly. (laughs) Holly Durning. Oh, no. Okay. So maybe better to find you on your website. Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. Well, Well, I know I have. Let's see what my business is. I think you're Dr. Holly Durning. Dr. Holly Durning. Holistic Medicine. uh, Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Dr. Holly Durning on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, perfect. And then yeah. you suggested one book. Say it one more time. Making Babies. We love Bye. that. Anything else reading wise? There's another one, The Infertility Cure. It's written by another acupuncture herbalist. It's a little more in depth. This one I do recommend because it's more geared towards the lay person. I love Tony Wexler's book that you mentioned too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And even like BBT charting. So that can be helpful too. And looking at these patterns of disharmony too that are in the the other book. But we look at that, you know, to indicate where we can specialize our treatments too or target things. Love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Holly, for joining us. I'm so enlightened. I I mean, I can't wait to go find one up here in Georgia because I'm just like, I've got all kinds of issues. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I I love it because it's just getting the body back in balance so it can heal itself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all these are just signs that something's off, you know, whether it's your menstrual cycle, whether it's headaches digestive stuff, yeah. lack of energy. You're not broken. It's just You're a disharmony. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yes. And you don't need pills. Yeah. So listeners, <laughs> if you're not feeling like yourself for whatever reason, just don't pop know, a go pill. see an acupuncturist. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't pop a pill. Seriously. <laughs> no <laughs> pill popping here. <laughs> Thank you right. once Thank again. You. Yes. Thanks, ladies. See you All soon. Right.